following episode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes was recorded live in front of an audience at McFab's in Glasgow on Thursday the 28th of February 2019. It contains strong language, conversations of an adult nature, and absolutely 100% contains massive, massive spoilers for Sleepaway Camp. You've been warned. morning campers it's another beautiful day here at camp arawak we want to thank you all for joining us and hope that you'll enjoy your stay with us this summer quick reminder the ping pong tournament begins at 11 a.m over by the lodge so sign up now also shuffleboard at three by the pavilion now say hello to your camp arawak counselors mitch bain and andy stewart and remember play safe stay safe have a great summer guys This is very lovely. Yeah, it's cosy, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty cosy. Uh, if it gets hot or you need to leave in the event of a fire, you can just run out there. Apparently there's a lovely garden with tables and parasols. Uh, <laughs> we'll do our best to keep it going. <laughs> to, the go to the potential detriment of our own lives. Yeah. How are you guys doing? You excited for Fright Fest? Glad done, right? Anybody heading to Lords of Chaos after this? Me. <laughs> cool, good. Cool. And this guy in the middle, he's been a previous guest on the show before, uh, Mr. John McPhail, director of Anna and the Apocalypse. Hi, oh, yeah, how you doing? Well, Michael Park on the sound, by the way. Michael Park on the sound, yeah. Don't cheer too quickly in case it all goes, in case it all goes wrong. Uh, John, sleepaway camp. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Um, well, I, I only actually saw Sleepaway Camp about five years ago. Like, like to, to admit that, um, it's terrible. But uh, my, my mate used to own like a, a poster, a shit horror night, um, and um, Sleepaway Camp was playing it, and I loved it, and I thought it was amazing. And I was like, how have I never seen this movie? So I then started systematically working my way through my friends, going, you have to watch this film. It's amazing, and I found it on YouTube. Uh huh. You can watch it on YouTube. You can not only watch it on YouTube, you can watch the, the SD version of it or the HD version of it. <laughs> <laughs> and a cult classic like that is like it's it's criminal that you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that's my, my TV upscales it to 4K. <laughs> <laughs> looks fucking brilliant. Like I said, it looks, <laughs> it looks spectacular. <laughs> All those silhouetted shots of Ricky eat silhouetted no more. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're gonna try something here. Show of hands who's listened to the podcast before. Okay, keep wow. your hand up Holy if you shit. have seen Sleepaway Camp. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, and I'm gonna pick someone to do a 30 second synopsis because uh, John's done one before. So oh he's God. he's locked out <laughs> here. Ah, uh, okay, uh, Faye. Right, okay. Just a sec. Okay, right, oh, what is my next start? Uh, two, two kids um, get into a boating accident uh, when they're younger and then it turns uh, then you go to this camp and then there's a killer on the loose and um, they think I don't know, that's it <laughs> 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 
We've had worse than that. We've had better than that. You fall somewhere right about in the middle, and that's absolutely fine. There's, there's 15 seconds left. Does anyone have anything to add? Without spoiling the ending massively for anybody who hasn't seen it, which we'll get to, uh, because obviously the ending, uh, the well. whole film's about the ending. A couple of little bits of uh, housekeeping. I know my t-shirt's too big and my shorts are too small. The reason we're not sitting is that I was afraid that the pressure of sitting would force my now distended testicles, because I'm almost 40, to rock it out the end of my short legs. But if you happen to see it creeping down like a scarab from the mummy, just put your hand up and give me a shout, all right? So. Can okay, maybe just get some kind of hand signal for that? Just, just, just do that to your chin. That's fine, that'll do it for me. Also, that's not real, that sucks. <laughs> so that's fine. For the benefit of people who aren't in the room, who are listening on whatever podcast platform they decide to listen on. There are a million places. Yeah, um, we do have a screen, so granted that's not the best for a podcast medium, but suck it up and get on with it. <laughs> it's fine. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> Right, I think we should. I, I think we should jump into this. I think we should. Yeah. So I guess the first thing you get is an excruciatingly long side swipe. I can't. I can't <laughs> Excuse me. Now let's let's first of all just take in the autumn of the summer. <laughs> that is, <but> wake up. <laughs> all yeah. those dead trees. <laughs> yeah. That late September. That yeah. Late September glow. Uh, <laughs> So so summery, um, and of course, like it does open up, you know, with that with the wide. Let's be straight up, sleepaway camp titles in uh, an unorthodox way, especially in like the eighties for slashers, where it was all sort of synthastic. He's uh -huh. kind of went for strings and horns. Ah, it's very, very dramatic, especially considering how mundane what you're looking at is. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you could hear the kids in the background, like it's like the the camps have passed. <laughs> <laughs> Like this, it's something that you're going to pick up quite a lot in this film. Is it the only time it tells you? Like I think it's like after the boating accident. It's like it says eight years later. It's the only time you get a timestamp on it. Whereas this is kind of when you rewatch it, you go, well, "This is obviously the end after everything, th everything that's happened." Um, and then we cut to before it, where we are eight years before it, and then we get title saying eight years later, and then after that, like near the end. You get another flashback, but you don't get a timestamp on it either. Aye. And and like crucially, you don't get a read on what year it is in the first place. <laughs> so it's like eight years earlier. It's like so anytime USA. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, John. You were unaware there was a scene, quite a horrific scene unfolding behind you. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> the more the most like uh, unknowing father ever to be standing standing at the edge of the boat like that, and then these two Waynes get up and push him off it, but he's like, oh, and then it's like the, the, the strings all come up together, and it's like so playful. There has never been a moment where a dad has been in a precarious poolside position where he hasn't wound up soaking wet. Uh, like, exactly. I love the fact that when the kids, you know, so obviously what you have here is a father and two kids in a boat, and the two kids kind of gang up and push him off the boat. And I think it's really funny when he hits the deck and he turns back around and he's like, you couple of schemers. <laughs> also, thank you. It's not that Machiavellian, really. They just, like, pushed him. <laughs> it's the simplest laugh you could get. That's 250 pounds. Uh, it's, uh, also, that's what I say, quite forward thinking because 
no big issue made of the fact that the dad's in a gay relationship. No, true. Yep, which I think is pretty cool, curve. given it's 1983. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> um, aye, the kind of tranquil scene doesn't last long. Everything goes to shit pretty quick. It does, um, and it is like the the worst boat drivers ever. <laughs> like they don't look at, they don't look forward. They just look at each other the whole time that it's driving. <laughs> you could straight up see that guy's testicles. <laughs> That's crotch cam. It's it's, aye, it's the it's the first of what is many less than tasteful flashes of balls. <laughs> <laughs> But I um uh, so yeah, you've got two kind of like instantly extremely unlikable teenagers driving a speedboat with somebody water skiing behind them, and um uh, yeah, old dad's gone as quick as he arrives. The people, the people, somebody <laughs> help the people. <laughs> Obviously not armed with the knowledge of names, uh, so at least recognizing them as people is a good starting point. Somebody help over here. Yeah. Clearly, you just see the daft floating, like you know, face down. You're like, oh, he's dead. So like, you know, and and then you see like a like a, a shredded um, life preserver come mm-hmm. out of the water, and one child sort of like back swimming, and then <laughs> <laughs> while she's like over dramatically screaming, somebody help the people. The guy on the shore just stands there going, <gasps> and the two people who are in the boat that hurt them are just going. <gasps> <laughs> Nobody is helping the people, no matter how dramatically and overactingly you're going to shout this. I kind of feel like at that point, you're, you're, you're fucked anyway. Uh, gasping's about as good as you can muster uh, in the face <laughs> of your own negligence. Help that child swimming with a life preserver. <laughs> um, jump ahead, we get an all too fleeting intro to my favourite character in this entire thing. Dr. Martha, who is incredible and is like the best character that has ever been in any film. Yeah, like, <laughs> she's so confused all the yeah. time. How, how, like, like uh, Ricky has grown up to be the the, the 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 capable young man that he seems to be. Pretty fiery. I mean, he's got a rage problem, but <laughs> he's not heated. Look at who your mother is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the fact that he's not setting things in fire every five minutes is like a miracle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, I've got to say, is it, at which point do we think that this was a, a, a directorial decision? Aye, uh, I was gonna like, who, like who's that's fa- a wild performance. Like this performance, whose fault is it? Well, see, th- <laughs> <laughs> so, like, of course, like now I've watched this loads and loads of times, and I like you know I've I've read stuff, and and I don't know like if Hiltzig meant a lot of the comedy things that he actually ended up with and yeah. particularly her because I've watched her talking about her audition and all that and she's just like you know like yeah and I, I turned up on set and I just went just went went for it and you're like all right I knew that she was gonna she was the there. best I know um, well, but come on <laughs> I tied a rope around my finger <laughs> So I wouldn't forget. And every single line is bookmarked with a... Really? Is that my decision? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know at all. <laughs> also, uh, quite big on herself, because she keeps asking people, wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> I 
am I not great? <laughs> I just sell, do you know? Like, no, you're a bad. No, you can say that now, like, and this is where I will defend it, right? So structurally, you think about this. Now, she's quite an important character in this film, right? Regardless, sure. she's a very, I, very important character. Sure. Now, if we're going to have to remember her through all the other characters that we experience through this film, <laughs> that is out. how you're going to remember her. <laughs> you've got three minutes of screen time, make it fucking count. Ah, you, <laughs> You get you get to the end and you and you go oh she was mental. <laughs> you come out swinging. <laughs> Jesus Christ, look at that. That's another shot. That's not just a different angle. Like, that's horrifying. So on the, on the left here we've got Ricky, Jonathan Tearson. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Angela, the, survi the surviving child. Yeah, yeah. Former former lovers in real life. He was 17 and she was 13. Wild. It, Fuck. Made it, it did make it a bit, bit weird. When you know, when you watch this and you go, wait, you were 17 and she was 13 and you were romantically entangled. I know, exactly. 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 <laughs> Watching all your faces right now. Like, oh. <laughs> all people don't listen to this in their car and go, what? <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's uh, but sharply off the camp for these two at this point. Camp Arawak. Camp Arawak, no less. Uh, as you can tell from their t-shirts and indeed others. Yeah, pretty dangerous place for children overall. Massively. Massively. How? I don't, I don't understand, boys. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? There's your answer. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I love that. Uh, so the guy on the right is uh, Robert Errol Jones. He's James Errol Jones' dad. But it, weirdly in that photo, he looks like he's got steel Mickey Mouse ears on. <laughs> We'll post these to our, uh, no, we won't. <laughs> and then my Artie the pedo. <laughs> I mean, I, on, on the left, we do have Artie the pedo. <laughs> like, head chef and pedo. And he's so open about it. You know, he doesn't hide it. He tells all his, like, his mates about it. And the fact that, that scene with all the, the, the kids running, which were, like, all those extras were actually Felissa Rose, who plays Angela. It's like her siblings okay. and, and cousins and things like that that were all brought in to be running extras. Right. Um, and then you've got him standing there saying that. And then all Ben's like, you know, like laughing off like, that's silly. And like, he's, he's four, <laughs> other he's four, four other colleagues are standing behind him menacingly. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> is it one pedo or have we got five? Like, you know, is this a real, how dangerous is this camp? There's like, there's like so many red flags that are passed off as whimsy in this film. <laughs> <laughs> And all he does is use strings to get you through it. <laughs> but I, um, I we get like a whole load of character introductions here, including Mel. Mel, the, uh, the yeah. proprietor of the camp. There he is. There he is himself, just enjoying a wee cigar in the kitchen. <laughs> also, uh, I don't know if there's photos of this, but an awful lot of flypaper hanging up in that kitchen. It's disgusting. It's, 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 probably, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, but look, there's Mel. Uh, as we'll find out later, quite a ladies' man. He is. Um, um, and the guy, the guy that played Mel, I don't know if you know this, actually died uh, two months after shooting it. Um, they never actually got to see the film. Um, he was actually really, really sick during the film. Filming oh, really? this guy, I died of uh, cancer. Yeah. He, that's why he loves clearly. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll drag it, drag it down. Um, wait, I better not wake up with his ghost at the end of my bed. <laughs> Meg, <laughs> Meg. <laughs> when you are fucked of heavens. Um, crucially, uh, we also meet Judy at this point briefly. 
Play <laughs> silence, please, for Judy's T-shirt. Uh, yeah, Judy, uh, the most Machiavellian. Oh, yeah, yeah, there. Uh, evil personified. Um, there's a little bit where the Brando is about a gun in there. <laughs> oh, okay. Ecky mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Judy's a horror. Yeah, yeah. She has. Uh, this isn't a, a very good illustration of how much hair Judy's packing. But, but her hair that is. That is. That is. That's fucking gargantuan, man. Like, no wonder her head's tilted to the side. So, Judy was actually supposed to be played by Jane Krakowski. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, um, she what it was was because she was blonde and it was going to be Angela's opposite. So, it was, so it was a blonde and a brunette. Um, but she smashed, Karen smashed it out of the park. Hey, <laughs> Angela. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you share with the rest of us? <laughs> like, yes. um, that's the, that is that is the drinking game of this film. It's worth mentioning hey, this photo might be the cuntiest photo. Uh, <laughs> I know that I've I know. seen. Uh, it's quite exactly because on the right here you've got camp counselor Meg, who is also M a complete G Meg. Uh, your name's three letters. Chill out. Like, I've got I got it. Like, I got it. Um, Shut up, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that. Um, and it's possibly to do with the fact that I think that Judy looks considerably older than the other kids. I find it very difficult to figure out who's a kid and who's a counsellor. Apart from the one little boy, <laughs> there's like a little boy that runs around presumably one of Felissa Rose's family. But there is a, ch a, a, a stone-cold child <laughs> hanging around with these paedophiles. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was assuming that the kid that is straight up five years old wasn't a counsellor, but apart from that... <laughs> <laughs> More fool you, but Ronnie is! <laughs> you know, I tried to get shots like that, but... Uh, this is about as tight as I could cut it. So, the co like, like, I love the costume in this, right? And, it, like, and one of the things that was even better about it was that Hiltzig asked the cast to bring their own clothes. Magic. So this is their own actual attire. I do that because I've got no money. That's Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie there clearly wearing a t-shirt for the gym that he either works at or owns. Um, uh, and on the right here is Officer Frank, who we'll get to in a bit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he's really the good guy of the whole piece. He's the peacekeeper. He kind of plays the kind of sensible role through all I, of the I fucking agree. madness that goes on. He He's even under Mel, who is off his fucking rocker. Yeah. yeah. So Ronnie's a good guy. The piece. Well, well, that's that whole, yeah, in fact, I've written down, I was like, my notes going Ronnie, and it just says shorts. That's fine. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, John, that's fine. That's fair. Because uh, he wears them all the time. It does. Nothing it does. exclusively. Um, we have our first murder pretty quick after this. Well, they murder, but first, like, let's say, incident. Which, again, we're not time stamping, but it's been like, they've been there for like five days or six days, and, you know, Angela's not eating. She's not eating a thing. She's yeah. not eating a thing for six yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> She's not said a word and not eating anything, and nobody's like, went, right, we need to get this last year fucking doctor. <laughs> <laughs> do we need to go back to the pedo guy that walks there openly? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, we kind of do because he's the victim of the first thing. But, like, but like again, like, Ronnie being a good guy, he's like, oh, why are you not eating? We can maybe like take you through, sort out, like talk to the chef, get you something. He's like, oh, we'll take you through to Artie. Basically, he pretty much says in more words, he's like, oh, we'll take you through to Artie because he's sound as fuck. 
And I was like, genuinely, I was like, I looked at him and I was immediately like, I was like, you sold pedo right out of the gate. And I was like, and I was like, right, I'm sure that that guy's, and I've just spent two seconds looking at him, but all of his colleagues are like, oh no, I was all right. <laughs> the first time you meet him, is he not sucking his finger? No, no, no. He's sucking a branch. It's oh, like a bit of wet. That's bare. Dude, it's, it's not even like, you know, like, 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 a, like a bit of, like, I don't know, hay or something like that. He's like, it's an actual, like, bit of just branch of wood. Like, it's just like clean snapped up. Badass. Badass. Um, but I, uh, I'm pretty unpleasant stuff. And it's brilliant. Like, so, like. All right, cool. <laughs> Again, so we're we're gonna get up. We're we're gonna get our first first taste of like the uh, the the horror aspect, and I've got so we start to do the, the, the sort of POV thing. You hide who it is. Clearly, it's like a kid's hands. Are you gonna gloss over the actual event leading up to that? No, 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 no. Because I've always there's because one thing in that scene that always draws my eye. On the shelf, there's a box of fine trimmed onions. <laughs> Fine trimmed green onions, in fact, and I draw my eye to that to avoid the potential child rape. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I still at this day don't know what goes on in that kitchen. Funny enough, in that sequence when she was actually walking backwards, she was walking forwards because she couldn't walk backwards and keep her eyes open because <laughs> she kept on blinking when she oh, was right, walking backwards. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, with the, with the sequence, we are moving forward towards her. She couldn't walk backwards and not blink. So they had to reverse it. So the whole, the actual sequence with her stepping back the way, she's actually walking forwards. Just, just magic. Just so he's not that way. Just, uh, he's, no, nobody's actually impressed with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm defending it, for God's sake. Come on. <laughs> I ain't talking about techniques. Look, get on side, guys. Fuck's <laughs> But I, um, so Artie's kind of like, he's standing up on a box. He's kind of over, like, kind of overseeing a big thing full of stew. And, uh, oh, right. yeah. and ends up with him all over, ends up with it all over himself because an unseen assailant yanks out from under him. This is a really good effect, I think. It's brilliant. <laughs> so this whole floor is fake, um, and what they've actually got them, they've got they've actually got them propped up, and they've got like uh, tubes feeding into the, uh, the the like the swollen pus bits, so that like the, the tubes would blow water and air through it, so mm-hmm. that they would pulsate and then pop. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, You've done your homework, man. Yeah. I, think, I think we'll agree uh, quite the ending, uh, and a deserved ending uh, for, yeah. the, for this particular character. Um, but he doesn't die. So no, he's, he does. He's, he's one of the only. He's one of the only people to, um, like to actually live uh, or to be targeted and then live. True. Um, yeah. And honestly, and again, I don't know where the like if he meant it, like Hiltzik, because it's so funny. Like I'm screaming like ah ah. That's long. Ah, then Ben runs in, and he's Ben, who's just left him. He's clearly in his boxer shorts and his t-shirt. Like I don't know what Ben's been away to do. Who <laughs> <laughs> comes running back in and just stares at him? We got a crash zoom into him, and then he's just like, ah, ah. It cuts to him on the um, the the, the gunny getting wheeled out, going ah, 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 ah. And you're like, that is like like the moment when I first saw that, I couldn't stop laughing. And then. <laughs> And of course, like all the extras as well. So all the paramedics, all the vehicles, all that kind of stuff were all from the local town right. that was shooting with it because they'd just lent them all the gear. Um, uh, so like the, all the paramedics and everything else were just like just random people who lived in the village. Right. I thought it was uh, it's quite funny that uh, Ronnie's big way, uh, Ronnie says to the, the paramedic, how about his eyes? <laughs> he goes, get them out, scoop them out. Like... He has forgone the right to eyes. No, 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 no. Right. So like, the, like, but they look alright. 
no, no. What is this? The doctor is amazing. See the guy that comes in, he like, like actually sit down with it. What is it? Like he says to him, like, uh, <laughs> I can't prescribe a sedative to kill the pain that he's in. Every nerve in his body's on fire. Mel turns and goes, what's the prognosis? He's really badly burned. <laughs> Look at the fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mel kind of comes stumbling in at this point because he's got a murder, like, oh, not a murder, but like an attempted murder to cover up. And I think it's like it's funny because he's like, he's I think of, that's important. Cover up. Yeah, because he's talking about, like, he's talking about protecting the kids, but nay, really. Like, because he takes no real meaningful action apart from bribing the kitchen staff. <laughs> Well, one of the things that like you didn't like, uh, um, uh, unfortunately, was it Faye? You didn't touch up on in your synopsis was like, <laughs> one of the few things. Was this kind of like Lord of the Flies mentality that actually like uh, like ensues throughout the whole film? Because like you know when you go to like something like this, like these camps, you know, you've got Mel, and then everybody else around them's a teenager. Do you know what I mean? So you're gonna gonna get this kind of like bullying faction, these sort of like different factions. This whole, as I say, Lord of the Flies mentality, mm-hmm. and this is the beginning of Mel's. True. The yeah, only yeah. adult, the only sort of sane like like adult like there, sort of that part of that supervision, and in the sort of like you do get him in the initially being like, hmm, like why did the kids run out of that like freezer scared? You know, like what is it? You, like there's something obviously going wrong here. While well, he smokes his cigar, like yeah. looking inquisitively, right? <laughs> and he starts off as you say, like with good intentions of running a nice camp, having the kids have a nice time, made sure they're looked after, and his descent starts now. And I think it's important, so I think we should highlight that. I think we've. Uh, do you know what, John? I think we've done that. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm I think we've done that. Through. I'm defending it. No, that's good. <laughs> no, that's good. Um. Shortly after this introduction to my favourite hard luck character of the piece, uh, Mozart. Uh, who I think it? it's important that we, we do... As a boy? I was actually just about to say, it's important to realise that Mozart got genuinely bullied on the set to the point that there had to be an intervention. Hello! He's covered in fucking shaving cream. Um, uh, yeah, so we said, like, the first of what is a couple of what might be real-life footage of Mozart being bullied on set then. But, like, um... But yeah, you can tell that he's supposed to be the nerdy character because... Because he looks like a nerd. And he's literally called Mozart. <laughs> the, the, the purpose of Mozart and like, within this is to be the red heron. To be the... Is, could someone like that, like, you know, could be bullied to an extent to that, be pushed to that point that he could actually do that kind of thing. There is a bit later where he, uh, has, the bullying reaches a fever pitch and he attacks his friends with a knife. So, uh, <laughs> understandable... Uh, Lord of the Flies mentality. <laughs> Fair, you had 30 seconds. <laughs> Shite. <laughs> um, one of my favourite scenes of the whole thing. Next, because um, just uh, the ball game. Ah, oh. So, just, ju- <laughs> just, just a wee thing, right? So when, um, uh, when we were doing Anna and the Apocalypse, there was a sequence in it where there's a. <laughs> No, 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 this is, this is, this is perfect. That's right? one of the shorter t-shirts. There's a sequence where um, we had to have, like, um, it's like it's six, like, sexy Santas come on stage during, like, a sexy number. And I went into my costume department, and I just gave them pictures of the feet. <laughs> I went, I want Christmas this. Christmas this. I love that this is your, uh, your kind of benchmark for sexiness. Uh, I'm sorry. But, Very sexy, yeah. 
just before like just before they go into the ball game when Gino turns up and, and he's got like the, the short there he is there he is there he is this this when this I bought this t-shirt it fit me like that they brought their own costume <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> No, I don't, again, I don't know if Gino's a child or a man. Uh, although he's rocking that AC Slater sexiness. Uh... Andy, I think it's pretty evident he's a man. Right, okay, sure, sure, sure. Although I think you were probably that hairy when you were about 12. So. Oh, fuck you. Um, we do, we do. Like, the. the Hiltzig actually when he when he um so I don't like it like I've got a, it's a terrible story so Hiltzig the, re, the way he got the money for this film is he got fifty he raised fifty grand to make this this was the first film he'd written and directed um and produced uh, and it ended up being the only one um, <laughs> apart from the sequel that came later um but um uh, his mother passed away like suddenly and let, uh, he'd got like a three hundred thousand dollar um sort of insurance payout. And he used fifty grand of it Tilda. to <laughs> to kill his mother so that he could get the other. <laughs> uh, and he whacked fifty grand into this. This was like how he sort of like um, uh, got that going. And like he, he knew of the camp. They shot it in the autumn. That's why the opening is so right. <laughs> sure. um, so they shot it in the autumn in the off season. Um, and. Uh, he only had a beginning and an end. So this kind of middle section in between it of like the, as I say, faith, Lord of the Flies <laughs> mentality. Uh, that was the, um, was sort of like the middle sort of section of this was to sort of try and create that. So like things like this ball game, he created the banter and sort of reaction mm. and rival factions and bit of bullying was, was part of that. Sorry, shall we continue? With no, the- that's fine. No, no. I mean, like- uh, but this this scene definitely exists to kind of bring together the rival factions. And I think like the ne- like the next scene kind of builds on it because you go straight. Oh, well, I don't know the- why Mozart's like- there because he's he's he doesn't he's not got friends. No, but hold on, Mozart catches one of their like uh, hits. He actually helps them win the ball game. He does yeah. when he was playing the Game Boy, and the ball gets hit out, and he catches it. My, Legend. Uh, my favorite, like exactly. M- my favorite uh, cementing of the fact that he's like the nerd in this scene is that he like he catches the ball, throws it once, and then immediately collapses. <laughs> <laughs> like it's literally just, and he just hits the deck. Also, uh, worth noting uh, the eat shit and die uh, retort. Which, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, eat shit and let. No, I mean, eat shit and let me. Yeah. So you what? Sh- you're just gonna eat shit. <laughs> um, Go on, man. I, uh, I think this. Uh, I think the scene after this kind of does the same thing in terms of like you're getting more like the factions and things like that because it's the social and uh, pretty much everything in the scene is secondary to Ricky's cowboy hat. <laughs> which which exists solely to be antagonistically knocked off his head. That is the only thing I could think of. The only reason that he would be wearing that hat is so it can be knocked off. But weirdly, I think it's a loner because when it does get knocked off, an extra there's a big melee ensues, uh, and the hat gets knocked off his head, and an extra runs on, grabs the hat, and just drags it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't fucking knock the hat. <laughs> 
Something in the costume department's like, just just make sure Nidhi falls on that. No, that's <laughs> my... We've only got one. That's <laughs> my one. cowboy hat. From home. Um, the kind of like romantic subplot, if you want to call it that. I don't know if I do. Um, gets kind of introduced here, and it's Paul. Paul, that's Paul on the right. Paul on the right, um, yeah. Right. Right yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking, looking suave. And of course, everybody's tried to talk to Angela up to this point, but they've only ever told, like, like shouted at her, except from Paul. Paul sits down and just tells him all her, his problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> he goes into detail uh, he doesn't have to go into. Yeah. Like, he, 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 and then, but then what you do is you get this kind of like sweetness from it, and in the way that it works, you know, like because he does just give her like a like a silly wee story. He apologizes of hanging the girl's panties up to her, and it's quite nice and it is really sweet. And that whole build to hurt him, like saying, you know, like good night, and her saying, you know, like good night, and it's the first time you've heard her speak, and the strings because he likes the strings. Um, uh, again, I'll, I think just sort of like helps sort of sort of like when I first watched it, you went nah can't it be the wee lassie, you know, that's oh, going to be doing know. anything bad, or, you know. So, it, again, oh, to help throw you off it, as well as the part of that camp mentality, that whole, like, budding romances and everything else, I think it sits quite nicely and works that, really I well. Get, I don't know if anybody who watched it notices that whenever um, Ricky on the left there is raging, he leaves the scene uh, in an incredible flounce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he always goes, <laughs> He's so sassy. <laughs> it's so funny because he's stand. He's so still. Somebody's got a hold of his arm and he's like facing down the way, and he's like he stands there and it's like, "Come on, Ricky." Is <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> it the first time you've done that? No, it's not. I'm sassy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, um, well, I was going to say another murder. First actual murder of the film. Now? Yes. Off yes. screen? Off screen, aye. Yeah. The drowning of Kenny. <clears throat> well, well, Billy gets really annoyed because the girls won't go skinny dipping with him. And yeah. you're like, you're wondering why. why <laughs> you're like, come on, Billy. You've yeah. been a douchebag up to this point. And then when, when they're like, no, you're all right. He's like, fine then. We don't want you to come with us anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really going to help, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of incredibly white arses uh, in, this, uh, in this skinny dipping session. Like, their arses are very, very white. And Leslie, who's the, the one that goes um, paddling with him, uh, ended up getting sick from falling in the water. <laughs> so the girl that actually comes out of the pot water is Hiltzig's, like fiance at the time, like producer. So the one girl that goes in is not the same lassie that comes out. <laughs> she never came out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kenny, the kind of like, Kenny, the, I, like, the guy who takes him out. That's fucking brilliant. I mean, he, uh, so he, he is forcibly drowned again by an unseen assailant. Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the, boy, the boys will uh, be interested in this one. <laughs> you're like, for God's sake, Ricky, like, your last words are crap, and then you're like, the way you put up with us is even worse. You just get, just sit there and get drowned That's, happily. <laughs> you know? But John, let me say, I think his, uh, his uh, fake corpse is far, far better than, than the actual, character. Because <laughs> I'm looking at that right now, and I'm going, That's pretty fucking good. No, that looks good. So Ed French, who was the uh, practical effects guy on this, um, what they'd done was they took a mold of him and he searched for ages and he found a taxidermia company. That's how they got the eyes. Um, he used the same thing for later on as well. 
that's how Jesus. you that's how you make it work. That's that's you putting life in there. Uh, um, Real animal eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Just pushed in some fox eyes. That's it. It's um, fine. The aftermath of this results in the introduction of the well, the reappearance of the hero of the piece, Frank the Cop. Frank, Frank the Cop. Responsible for this film's central mystery, in my opinion. <laughs> He's the protagonist that was written out of it. No, I'm, a, I'm asking you to, uh, to pay attention to, uh, to this. Uh, what you've got here is... I'm going closer for a look, but yet that is a real moustache, quite clearly. Just, Frank, just, just let that bet in. Just remember it. Frank, not the best cop. Uh, his knowledge of death, boats, camps... Rivers, trees. It's kind of a weird Frank can dress himself in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just walks into stuff. Pretty underinformed. But uh, yeah, he is our, our central investigator here, and I think it's fair to say that he is ineffectual. Yeah. <laughs> um. Out the back of this, we've got like, a little bit more bullying of Mozart, which I don't want to dwell on because I kind of feel like he just has a bit of a time of it. He does. He does poor Mozart. Yeah, and then of course, like, like what was it? Um, is it is it Gino or Ronnie? That was like, does it matter? Good night, lover boy. And then like, the strings swell again, and it's like, it's so playful. Let's all jump on. I'm like, whoa, it's it's just weird. Um, That's the moment where uh, where Ronnie steal. Uh, sorry, where uh, where Mozart pulls the knife and chases him around with the knife. No, that's that's is that that's the. The, the, the shaving cream, well, yeah, it's yeah, the shaving yeah. cream moment, yeah. And he chases him with a knife, and uh, Gino comes in and says, "Look, hey, enough, enough horseplay. Give me the knife, confiscated." And then he puts it clearly <laughs> right in front of him where he can find <laughs> I, it. Just he doesn't go. That's going in the lockbox. He goes, "It's going there on I, this shelf, I, easily accessible." Stop them. He's, like, he's like, he's like, he's like, you'll get that at the end of summer if you're lucky, and he literally puts it under a jumper on a shelf three feet away. <laughs> In plain sight. <laughs> that Mozart can even reach. <laughs> <laughs> he's got trust in them, hasn't he? He's got a little bit of trust. Do you know? Aye. He's lovely. You know. So that's in the right place. It's like him and Ronnie, heroes of the piece. I would, I would agree with that. I yeah. would agree with that. And the other girl whose name I don't know. Susan. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. It's just called Susan, I swear. You could <laughs> literally have said anything. <laughs> no, no I, I, I just know you know what you're talking about at this point. Uh, one thing I, I think is really funny, and obviously it's, it's kind of been building the um, Paul and Angela kind of romance a bit, and you're kind of, they've kind of seeded the fact that GD's the villain, but you haven't seen that much of GD being a complete dick up to this point. And there's a point where they're just like, Paul and uh, Angela are just chilling, and they obviously just wanted to have a scene where she just turns up and is snarky to them for no reason. But rather than actually write one of those. They're sitting there and she just turns up and goes, look at the two lovebirds. And then he just goes, go away, Judy. And she's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, bitch. I like, like, again, it's something I was going to leave for later on, but I genuinely think, and I think that we should put this, because we're all talking about, you know, how Ronnie's one of the heroes of the piece, sure. Frank's one of the heroes of the piece. Sure. Judy is Frank. also is actually one of the, the unsung heroes of this piece. She's worked it out before everybody. <laughs> In case you need refreshed. Need a reminder. Okay, so GD, one of the heroes of the piece, is a hot take. I, I, like, like, genuinely, I, I, like, I think it was criminal. Make your case, McPhail. Wait till the end. Wait till the end. Oh, sure, right. Wait till the end. Because, okay. like, again, she's, 
she ends up actually she doesn't die in this either. No, no not not directly. She's got a short. <laughs> she is the only other credit on IMDb. <laughs> oh, that's a criminal. That's where the criminal thing is. Exactly. Yeah, like, that's yeah. Is that the start and end of Judy then? Like her entire career? <laughs> Pretty much. Jings. Uh-huh. Jings. Yeah. That, that's what happened with most of them. It's not Friday the 13th here, there's no Kevin Bacon in here, there's not a massive fucking success. Melissa Rose is about the biggest one, she's done a bunch of Adam Green films and stuff, and she's one Adam Green film. <laughs> it's no long after this that um, we've got like a couple of guys, like you know when all the guys are kind of frolicking on the roof, I'm going to use the word frolicking. Uh, so, so is this before? Is this when after like Susan slaps uh, Judy for her being really, really, really horrible? Like, you know, being, like that's right there. That's actually, when she's was, talking about. Yeah. That's when she's talking. She's screaming at Angela about having no pubes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? She's like, "You're a carpenter's dream." Yeah. <laughs> Flat, Flat as, as a board, board needs, needs a screw. screw. <laughs> you're like, absolutely oh. hate it. And she gets a dish in the face off of Susan, who feels terrible about it. And then Angela just goes, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> no, right in the no, barrage of waterballs. <laughs> no, thanks very much, Susan. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so she walks outside and yeah, the frolickers kind of hit her with a water balloon. Casual um, homoeroticism abounds. Everywhere. Yeah, but like, it's, um, good. it's cool. Like but it. Ricky shows up and instantly loses his mind. Right, like he's absolutely furious. But my favourite thing that happens here is like so Mel comes out and intervenes when everyone's gonna have the shouting match. And remember all that's happened is that she's been hit by a water balloon, which is unpleasant, but by no means life or death. And like, um and he's like, You know how dangerous those things are. You could have taken her eye out. I was like, I was like, show me one incident where that's ever happened. And I will humbly retract my objection because that's fucking nonsense. My, my granny, what? my granny used to get me into trouble for swinging a scarf for the same reason. That's Don't what I was swing say. a scarf. You'll take your you'll take somebody or your own eye out. I, like if you play me an elastic band, you're going to take your eye out. Anything. Well, hang on. That's a... <laughs> scarf to elastic band like that in you a can... matter of seconds. Hold that's... on a second. You can tell he's approaching 40 because now he's got to that stage where things will poke your eye out because that's what's happening here. All out. <laughs> a lot of sneeze and they shoot out and they catch them in eye cups. I wear goggles. When you get to a certain age, that's when the thing is, is anything can take anybody's eye out. <laughs> that's, that's all Mel's doing. Is he's just like, I- I'm being the adult here. Like, Somebody's eye could come out. <laughs> Stop it. Like, uh, I hope his eyes are fine. Uh, <laughs> he asked about the chef's eyes. That's what he did. <laughs> his eye daft. He's crazy about eyes. <laughs> He's got like pouches for us. He, he just closes them up at night. And, <laughs> When, um, it, when, when he actually walks away from this scene as well, as well I love as you watch him walking away in the background, and he's been wearing this white shirt and like white shorts, white trainers, and black socks. The highest <laughs> I think that they might be knee high black leather boots because they're quite high. <laughs> they, they are. And again, they brought their own costume. <laughs> Wait, this was a decision? Exactly. Let's look. Oh, Christ. Okay. See, I, I, I didn't know that until you brought it up, but genuinely now, every time I'm looking at anybody, I'm just like, does that mean that, own costume. Does that mean that Judy got that t-shirt made? <laughs> <laughs> that one. The very one. 
Um, uh, another like uh, uh, in fact, I've wrote in Mel steps in great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think that um, being Ricky in this scene is just the acting job of a lifetime when you're that age and you're allowed to just like swear like fuck? Like, there's nothing you can say that's not going to wind up on camera. You can F and Jeff and blind and throw whatever. Uh, you, you can throw racial epithets in and they'll be in there uh, in a film like this. Do you not think that's just the best? Well, that was his addition. Like, Jonathan Tierston's addition was that he had to, um, when he was sitting down with Robert Hilsig, he says, just give me any trouble. Like, let me have it. And that was his addition. Like, was just to sit there and swear at the director. Like, a cocksucker for ten minutes. Uh, right? Imagine that a director comes in and goes, just... Just call me a cunt. I'm <laughs> 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 not taking that one forward, John. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the sparks are enough. <laughs> um, another battle or a death incoming. The the bees. The bees. Oh, well, that's what it was. Uh, it was called them Billy Bobag and the Beehive. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite kids book. <laughs> Uh, yeah, aye, uh, check that out. Guarantee you that's the same dummy from a minute ago. Um, with a different wig. the amazing eyes with bees. Put bees in the eye holes. Aye. Different wig. I believe it. Um, but yeah, this is uh, the, the my girl moment. <laughs> my girl, my girl, let me out the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so for the benefit of those of you who put your hands down, when we ask you if you've seen Sleep Away Camp, um, uh, yeah, we'll use Kenny here, Stoner Kenny, um, who, uh, no, it's not Kenny, is it? Billy. Billy, Billy thank you. Billy, Bob, Billy Bob. Kenny's already dead. Billy Bobak, sorry. <laughs> Kenny cunt rag. How, <laughs> how, how embarrassing for me. Um, <laughs> sorry, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, he nips, in, he nips at the toilet cubicle to take, and uh, what I believe is a direct quote, a wicked dump. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's weird that you know that before you do it. I normally rape mine after I do them. <laughs> like, that one was wicked, that one was just some pellets. <laughs> that, that one was mediocre. Oh, it's gonna be a ghosty. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> But I am a pretty unceremonious death for you, boy. I, I like uh, hornets' nests or a bee's nest or whatever, or a beehive, should I say? Wasps? Drop the wasps? I mean, yeah, why the fuck not? Wasp. Um, I think your knowledge of uh, of stinging in insects is quite poor. Well, I'd say I, I'd I'd said bees, but it's just because of deliberation. Ah, yeah. True. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. Sorry, Mitch. No, Sorry. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, we're all friends here. Um, <laughs> the the. Uh, the gap under the toilet door is escapable. <laughs> also, his feet are moving in a manner where he's not really that bald. Aye, is it like, like, it's like, it's, it's it's a like, general movie, the feet that you would do when you were trying to squeeze out a particularly difficult one. But like, um, the, the, the gap under the door is conservatively a fit and a half. Like, well, they, remember, the, remember he's quite huffy. So, like, because, you know, the girls would go skinny dipping with him, so the door won't open. You know, somebody that's huffy that's not going to go be like, well, I need to think about this, hold on, I'll get down and climb under. You know, huffy people are just going to be like, open, open, so he deserves it. <laughs> fair, absolutely fair. Also, he does deserve it. Like, there's no part of me that doubts that. Um, but weird that the bees would choose to congregate on his face. <laughs> Call him a Billy uh, Jam Face. 
Ball bag. <laughs> Face made of sugar. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I'm, uh, so uh, right after this, Paul and Angela are sitting having a conversation. I feel like I'm like about 30% of this film is Paul apologizing for stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm like, I, every single time I'm like, Paul, you're walking on thin ice. <laughs> I, every, every is this the moment where he creeps up behind her, puts his eyes over his hands over her eyes, and then asks her who she thinks it is, and she says, is it Burt Reynolds? Yeah. How weird would that have been if it was <laughs> Burt Reynolds? Um, How amazing would it be, though? <laughs> Imagine you're sitting there one day, and somebody comes up and's like, oh... And it turns out to be Burt Reynolds. You'd be like, oh, look at that mustache. You're dead! <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> it's alive in 1983. Um, uh, I think it's funny <laughs> when... The zombie Burt Reynolds coming up behind you. It'd be great. <laughs> um, I think it's funny when they're talking about the event so far and Angela alludes to the fact that there's a killer on um, at the camp. Despite male covering it all up. Okay. Well, Paul's like, you don't believe that baloney, do you? And it's like, the head chef disappeared under mysterious circumstances and two folk have died. It's not a fucking tinfoil hat theory to think that there's a serial killer on the loose. But remember, so up up to this point, the kids have not been aware of a death. So this one was the first one. This was the first one that was actually like circulated within the camp. Public and, knowledge. And we're not time-stamped, but it's like six days later because like loads of kids have left as well. So like again. You wanna. I wonder to our transatlantic listeners. <laughs> um, more kind of casual bullying of Angela here. She's thrown into the water by what I assume are counselors, because I still can't tell. Well, this is a weird. This is a weird moment where, uh, just before this, actually, there's a moment where uh, Paul says to Angela, "Let's go for a little walk, uh, and maybe yeah, know each other a little better. We can kind of have a sit down, cuddle." Um, and he does that by saying, let's go down by the lake, the most frightening place that she can imagine. I find women respond best to the, their, their greatest fears. Uh, and so does Paul, uh, because th she does not want to be anywhere near the lake. She, Agreed. She hates the lake. Arachnophobic's like, oh, I know a great spider like Zoo. <laughs> Put your hand in that hole, it's full of spiders. <laughs> What a brilliant time! <laughs> um, it's, it's around here. I think like Mel at this point is kind of like uh, he has a conversation with Ricky. Um, so a conversation. <laughs> hi. Well, at this point, hi. Yeah, yeah. So like you know like this is this is usually the time in the podcast where Mitch says, "Oh, so we're hurtling towards like the third act." Yeah. <laughs> 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 We didn't feed him that. He listens. I tune in. I tune in. I tune in. I fucking bet. Don't send it out. So we're hurtling towards the third act. <laughs> Mel's becoming a bit more unhinged. I think that's fair. You that's know, fair to say. The 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 these there's the bullying has just went right through the like like right through the it's roof. It's escalated. It's, it has. And Ricky says, "We'll get him." Oh man. Is it Ricky? Has it been Ricky? Have we now walked into the third act now going, Ricky's the killer? Ricky has been the killer? I'll be honest with you, there's a few people on my possibles list at this point, I including bet. Mel himself. <gasps> yeah, I'm, gonna really? say it. I'm gonna put it out there. I never suspected Mel. I knew he was just like, I knew, I knew he wanted to cover stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that he keeps coming up. 
He's got an honest face right now. No, he doesn't. He looks like... Are you fucking kidding me? He looks like a guy who lost a nightclub. <laughs> See, um, the conversation that he has with Ricky, and he's like, how's your summer? And Ricky's like, yeah, it's all right. And, and he's like, oh, what's up? And he's like, I wish there were more guys around. And I was like, are you fucking joking? Like, have you seen the ratio? <laughs> also, yeah, just killing. <laughs> killing time. <laughs> I just wants a good ball game, Ricky. And uh, to be fair... Yeah, he does. He <laughs> does want more guys so he can get a better ball game. <laughs> That's his last thing. He's like, lights. Um, <laughs> so, are you the women and women, women can play sports. I but you know that's this is well I don't want to even spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> At this point, the counselor Meg arranges to meet Mel. The film normalizes this completely. There's apparently nothing weird about that. Through okay. all the through all the scenes, when you do a rewatch, you do just you do see Meg being like, "Hey, <laughs> like really? I know. What is it about? That's Meg. Meg. There. Yeah, and Meg there on the right. What is it that? <laughs> what is that about Mel that screams? Oh yeah. Thanks, Michael. Uh, what is it about uh, about Mel that screams? Uh, sex? I, I I'm going to posit something here. I think Mel was meant to be played by a younger man and a better looking one. And this guy might also be part of Felicia Rose's family. What is it about us and every, every single time I bring a film here, it's always daddy issues. Remember Tom Imagine Atkins? this was Tom Atkins. Oh, <gasps> oh that should have been Tom 40 Atkins. 40 minutes of a guy looking at a windy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the standard of middle distance contemplation <laughs> if it was Tom Atkins? Also a better actor, <coughs> quite frankly, than this guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean yes. You, get, um, you take what you get. Um, but yeah, so Meg kind of tentatively makes plans to meet Mel. We lose our instant All sex. Yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, yes. Not uh, for fun. She's, she's stabbed repeatedly while showering. Once. She's only stabbed once. Once. Oh, she yeah, stabbed sorry. through and it drags down her spine. And uh, right. another yeah, Mitch, yeah, yeah. Another Mitch withdrawn. made an interesting point earlier. Is why does she just stand against the wall and <laughs> remain stabbed rather than just walk away? <laughs> and get I, one, yeah. one pretty severe stab in the spine, but uh, not have your spine carved out of your back. Right. It, it, it is one of those kind of natural things when someone something Jags in the back, oh, ah, and yeah. step forward. Whereas Meg, she just was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna accept this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a douchebag. Oh, I well, I suppose it's curtains for me. <laughs> <laughs> Seems fair. Kill me. End it. Uh, we also lose Judy around here. <laughs> uh, At this point, when Me when Mel's doing this thing that he's doing here. He's uh, he's convinced at this point that Ricky's the man, uh, the ah, man he's, behind he's us, sure. He's sure and he it. has revenge on his mind. Ricky's gonna die, and he's gonna die by Mel's hand. That's Mel's decision. He's gonna get revenge for the young girl that he's fucking at a summer camp. <laughs> Hold on a second, though. Right, so not only has Mel lost his business, you know, a lot like he's like, right, I needed to get these kids back for next year. The kids Certainly are gone. on the skids. Yeah, they're gone, right? They're, they're not coming back. Uh, my business is gone. And the only one thing that I could have like, you know, hoped for was Meg. And Meg's gone. And if there's any sort of like, like way to, oh. to crack him, I think it is that. I think it was losing Meg. 
That's a tipping point for sure. That's what that, he, only, that's... he only found out about it five minutes before that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, damn it! My teenage dreams. Gross. Um, I yeah, we lose Judy here. Uh, no great loss. Wow, just discarded. <laughs> discarded like that. Judy gets a set of hair colors stuck up her fanny. I mean, that by implication, that is pretty much right. And it's brilliant as well. He's like, this is the scene where you see the silhouette of like whoever it is that's doing it. And it's clearly somebody else. Yeah, I. I Aside from all the other times where it's hairy knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't um, watch the HD version. Always watch the SD version and you'll be fine. 4K, 4K if you've got it. <laughs> So, uh, John, I think it's fair to say that we're hurtling towards the end of this thing at this point. Mitch, is this uh, moving through things at uh, a pace that I would only describe as breakneck? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Do you want to pipe that out of this? Aye, <laughs> oh, so... Um, yeah, Judy's away, and we're Mel, crazed with vengeance. Uh, goes off to find Ricky. Goes off to find Ricky and finds him, and beats the shit out of him. I think it's fair to say he pounds him like an ape. He does pound him like an he ape. Pummels Ricky and uh, and mush. I can only presume because you never actually. I don't think you see Ricky again until the the end of this film. So no, like yeah, like two scenes before it. So Hilsig had actually intended when he when he written the film for Ricky to die here, and it wasn't until like five 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 minutes from here, like where um he actually um the shot the sequence where he actually like breathes and they bring the Ronnie um and who I think it's it's not Ronnie it's uh, Gino and the other one, and they sort of find them, uh so that Ronnie and Sue. <coughs> Susan? No, no, no. Because they, they end up finding oh, no, of course they later. So I think it's Gino and the other the other guy. Anyway, they, they find him, and that's like uh, it was while they shot it. He went, Nah, I think that Ricky should live. But you know, of course, from this point we go, it's not Ricky. Ricky's not the killer, because how can it be? He's been smushed. Well, because because the because the next thing is like Mel stands up and goes, No, it can't be you. You no. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> there's not a possible way it could be you. <laughs> and uh, Mel promptly arrowed through the neck. Uh, arrowed right through the neck. Pretty arrowed, good, arrowed by the way. Through the neck. Pretty good. No problem. It's really good. So, well, it. yeah, so the actual like the um, when the thing uh, so the, 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 the when the actual front of the arrow hits the throat, there was a wee um, uh, bit of the back that popped up. A pinger. Uh, a, wee, a wee pinger. <laughs> Ping. Uh, so yeah, yeah, good workhead friend. Very good, no problem. And uh, goodbye, Mel. Yeah, Mel's away. So uh, a couple more murders. Uh, that calls for some more investigation. And uh, big welcome back to Frank the Cop. Now, yeah. Now, so, it's at this wait, point, wait. you might have noticed that you're all sitting on moustaches. I'm going to ask you, even if you have a moustache, I know some people have voiced concern that they've got a moustache. I'm going to ask everyone to, at least like yourself at the back, sir, to hold your moustache over your moustache, or indeed glue, glue it to your face with the... I'll be honest, these weren't expensive, so they might not even last as long as this takes. Um, but yeah, I would like everyone to take a moment to... <laughs> take a moment to pay credence to the fact that he shaved his moustache and... Uh, <laughs> 
rather than write a single line of dialogue, which would have taken no time, they have either, it's either gaffer tape or black boot polish. I'm not sure which is worse. It's, 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 no, it's a fake moustache. Is it actually it's an actual, funny? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have looked and I can confirm it's, it is funny. It is funny. So what happened was was Frank the cop didn't realize like uh, went away after like he finished filming and he didn't realize that he had more scenes to do and he got another job and he had to shave his mustache <laughs> and there's two things that Robert Hiltzig like like says that he regrets the most and this is one of them. What's the other? We'll, we'll come up to it in a minute. Can we ask everyone to at least hold your moustaches where moustaches should live? <laughs> Unless you want to do it like, like yourself, a big eyebrow, or uh, perhaps you could go for a really wide soul patch. As long as it's on your face. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, so two regrets. This is obviously one of them. This is number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about it is that Look at his face, right on the right there. He's acting. He's lo- he's in it, and no one else in the scene is staring at it. Like, what the fuck is on your face? But see, the thing is, is this isn't the only scene. There's like three or four scenes where he's in, and he's clearly just running about with a mustache, like doing like it by camera. Or <laughs> <laughs> going like that. Staring a profile. Huh? So I would have preferred him to just stand with his hand over his mouth. What was what was simplicity? The, what, what was the second regret? So the, it's actually one of the deaths coming up. So the um, when so Angela after she'd been thrown in the water um, gets hit with sand um, uh, by the the toddlers and of course thus far as <laughs> sure. the toddlers like so up to this point like you know um, everybody that's harmed or upset Angela has ended up dead. And of course, the last one was the like was was these kids, and of course she goes in the woods with an axe and well, I think we can guess where that goes. Yeah, yeah sure. And um, he regrets it because he thought that it made her character too brutal. Okay, yeah, I see that. But uh, the fake yeah. mustache is definitely the funnier one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm defending it. <laughs> the other one's a forgivable directorial decision. This less. Yeah. Uh, yeah, less so. I think that I think that we should just talk about the ending. Well, we're there now, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So Paul went down to meet her by the lake, and uh, he took his clothes off, didn't he? He did. And he Paul Paul was on thin ice. He was really on thin ice. Aye. He kissed her. We didn't talk about the bit where he kissed uh, where he kissed Judy, but he get caught. So he, he kissed Angela when she didn't want to be kissed. Then asked her for another one. Then he ki- then he got off with Judy. And he called her a prude, right? And mm. then what was, it, what was the other one he done? He does he does do something else. Oh, they're down by the lake, and he's like pushing her a little bit too far. Ah, uh, he goes from being <clears> kind of <throat> like the kind of nice guy to an absolute like really really sketchy guy over yeah. the course of like the second and third act. Like, and the thing is as well is like from that first sequence where, as I said, when they were in the red call and it was the so mm. the, the social. And it was really sweet, you know, like where he did just talk to her like she was just a person and everything else, and you know, you know, having that nice wee good night and everything else, and the string swelling, mm-hmm. you know, that from that to what Paul progressively is and does is kind of a bit of a, a shit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, and even after he gets caught kissing, he doesn't immediately go and apologize to her. He goes for a swim. Yeah. Uh, not only that, clear right, the mind. Not clear only the that, course. right? So at that point as well, right? So Paul's sitting there and he goes, "Oh, the wicked witch of the west is coming." Bye. 
no, not of like, all right, I'm going to stand here and I'll be your backup, right? I know that you're quite shy, right? I'll stand here and sort of like make sure that she's not going to be a douchebag to you. See you later, bye. <laughs> I don't want to cross Meg. Yeah. Um, so we do get the reveal of the killer here. John, do you want to take it from here? It's amazing. Good luck. <laughs> it is like one of the most shocking moments in horror history. I would 100% agree with that. I mean, like, everything that you might think or know about, like, when you're watching this for the first time or when you did watch it, you kind of suspecting that it's obviously going to be, like, Angela or Ricky or whatever. And then when it's revealed to Angela, but then when it's revealed of why, mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing where you go, oh, Aunt Melissa... What were you doing? What were you thinking? Uh, can I just quickly touch on that last scene when, when Aunt Re Melissa reveals the story? It's so fucking cold on that set, clearly. They're all puffing out gasps. I like, yeah, hey, like, oh. Uh, is this for a sleepaway camp? Uh, this is this is the dream sequence that actually true. just like of the the, the but way way earlier than this in the film you know, uh, way earlier than this that flashes no that's when when paul pushes her a little like tries to be uh, a bit too hands-on with her and that's the flashback and it's again it's so strange like that whole sequence like you know because then when you do reflect and you understand of course angela was peter so the the, the two kids that like were Spoiler. in the bone accident at the beginning <laughs> Well, Peter and Angela, and Angela and her father died, and Aunt Melissa wanted two kids, wanted a, a little girl, so thus Peter became Angela. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> ah, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so, um, what they did was they paid a, a college kid to start shave all his body. And then they, they'd made this, like, uh, the way that Ed French describes it is a, a, um, like a potato chip, so like a crisp, thin mask where it would just sit over the face. So it taxidermy eyes again. Um, and uh, this guy just sort of stands there naked holding the knife. I heard they had to get pissed. He's, well, the thing is, is he died, like, to, to work up the courage to do it, yeah. he got drunk. And in fact, see, this, she'd see the shot just before this where she's cradling Paul's head and rocking back and forward. You can see him disrobing down in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the bottom right of frame. It's brilliant. <laughs> He's just up in the back and like, oh my god, I hate my life. I'm steaming. <laughs> but here's the other thing. Here's the, my boobie. The guy that did, the guy that, like, the guy that got the boobie out, never has never ever came forward. So he's never actually like. I would go to horror no conventions and I cut a cut a hole in a curtain and I put my bobby through it and I'd have a sign that says the dick for the end. Of, well, I, uh, the dick for the end. Anything really? The dick anywhere. Uh, the dick for the end of sleepaway camp. Twenty five dollars. Twenty five dollars for a photo. <laughs> I've got a pen in my. I've got a pen in hand and you get a squiggle on a, a squiggle on a photo. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say, and I, I'm going to be serious here for a second, I legitimately think that the last five minutes of Sleepaway Camp is one of the most effectively strong last five minutes in any slasher, not even any slasher film, any horror film. It's just the, the, <laughs> the kind of, what leads up to that is so ropey in how it's put together. 
I think that's all that stops Sleepaway Camp being an absolute treasure. In the same way as Friday the 13th is, although I would actually say that I prefer Sleepaway Camp to Friday the 13th. So, one of the things I'm always, always, always going to be forgiven about this film, and I said at the start, is this was Robert Hilsig's first film, right? It was his first directorial debut, which is like the first film he'd ever written. This is a 50 grand indie. And it made 30 times its budget. And it was actually was number one in the box office at the time when Good. it came out. Like this film, which is, as I say, it's one of those horror films that like, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners and I'm sure a lot of people here have seen it, they know about it, they understand about it and they get the ending and everything else. But there's so many people that go sleep away with it. You know, and they might have seen the, like like my mate who I showed this to is like, he's like, like my horror guru. Like we just sit and watch like horror films all weekend and he'd never seen it. And then when this popped up, he went, oh my God. I, I know this. I know this, and it's like uh, people get the are uh, are uh, uh, um get the ending or know about the ending more than they know about the movie, and I think that's what's a shame about this because it is such a fun, you know, horror slasher. Like the, the again, the, the ending seems to be the sort of like lasting legacy of it. None of the the actors went on to do anything. Yeah, really, anything. like really nothing. Yeah. I think Meg was actually like before she done this, she was working on ABC like a show. I think it's like um, Two's com- or Three's Company or something like that. Some sort of American. Ronnie's my PT. <laughs> He's shite, by the way. If you had noticed. Uh, <laughs> Nate because every single time you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh god, they're like, what? Um, um, I think I think well, for one, I think it's a really good pick for this, but I. I gonna surprise you guys i hadn't seen this before um but uh uh i thought it was great i i think the, the, the ending is brilliant but i think you're right i think that it totally takes over the conversation and it's never not entertaining i think it's 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 a cracking pick but it's, i think it's a good film i like it yeah i absolutely agree i i don't really have I've got a few things I can say. <laughs> I've got a few things I can say about, obviously, from a technical perspective, as I'm sure you do, about the way. Sleep it's a fifty grand indie, Andy. Yeah, yeah grab. <laughs> <laughs> I would still write a line in about you look different without your moustache. <laughs> That's the one change I would make to this fucking film. Um, but no, I, I think it's, I, I really think it's great. And um, I think it's an important film. And out of that massive slew of shit that came out at the same time, in the same vein, I, I, like I said, I prefer Sleepaway Camp to Friday the 13th, the first one, certainly anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it absolutely, absolutely deserves to be seen. And the fact that it doesn't have a Blu-ray release in the UK is absolutely, or any kind of home entertainment release in the UK is absolutely criminal. YouTube has got the HD one. <laughs> <laughs> and the SD one. Okay, if your telly's good. Um, uh, we've got a wee bit of time. Does anybody have any questions or comments? If you do, you get a dip in the Arrow video goodie bag. Yeah, right here. Right here. Oh, right, okay, hang on. Oh, I see a hand. Oh, okay. I just wondered why they make such a huge deal of Angela like being scared of the water, and yet there is a murder where she literally like submerges herself, swims out into the middle of a lake to kill someone. Like there's such it's such a huge trauma for her to get thrown in the water, but she was literally like in the dark under the water. Like you are completely just... right. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an answer right. for that. <laughs> it's one of those ones like so, so through through this like um, this podcast, I've, like I've been wanting to go, but then Angela did this, right? You know, like and, and how and why, 
And um, the, one of the theories, uh, and Robert Hilsig has went, no, that, that didn't happen. That's not like that. Was the, the theory was that it was both Angela and Ricky, right? And the reason Whoa. I think that theory hangs up is because of that. Because when he does uh, submerge himself out from the water, and of course, like, the, like his hair seems like really, really short. And of course... He's the one that murders Judy, clearly. Clearly. When you see because, it on the, uh, the HD, HD does version. no favours to that no. whatsoever. Like. Like, you can clearly see that. Because it, it is one of those ones of like, she's supposed to be scared of the war. Or is it all just an act? Because Angela is just a walking, talking act. Wow. Maybe. Wow. Anyone else? Oh, yeah, okay. Ah, okay. Just to keep another minor traditions of the podcast going, I googled when you were complaining about people losing eyes for water balloons. Um, yes! <laughs> yes! In, two, in 2010, <laughs> NPR news reporter Annie Baxter lost an eye during a 4th of uh, July parade on a boat when she was hit in the eye by a miniature water balloon. Fuck. A miniature off. one? <laughs> what balloon's a water balloon? Sure, yeah, sure. I'm not going to argue with that. I did say that Mel was trying to look after everybody. Sure, sure. I knew it was doing the whole time. And of I'm, course, Judy knew all along. I don't have anything to say to that, Duffy. If you've found the figures, then I can't argue with the, the statistics, if I'm honest. Anyone else? Anyone else with a question? Remember, after this, you get a dip in the bag. The arrow bag, it's got Blu rays in it. Yeah, fuck that then. Yeah. We do have some more stuff from Arrow, which we might just give out to people to get rid of it so I don't need to take it home because I've got enough. Um, also, we do have some lots of chaos posters that were given to us by the guys from Arrow. So if anyone wants to come up and snaffle some of them, just come up and give us a shout. Yeah. Uh, I think whatever we've got there, once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So, John, John, you might have noticed by now that uh, Anna is behind you. Oh, um, John, I made a I... film. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Um, John, as you might know, I quite like this film. I think you've been once or twice. Aye, once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, Lying um, in the coffers, John. Um, do you want to talk about it a little bit? I mean, I, I mean, I think I could, but you go. <laughs> no, I'd love to hear what you guys no. say. Why are you going? Um, so, uh, if, if you're unaware, uh, I made a film called Anna and the Apocalypse. It's <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's a zombie musical set at Christmas. Next. That's true. And that's uh, it. Well done. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, we are getting ready for our like uh, VOD, uh, DVD, and Blu ray launch. Um, uh, like, I think it's supposed to be like a Hollywood reporter like came out and broke out with the story, and we weren't supposed to tell anybody. Um, but I, March and uh, April, um, the, the, they'll have VOD and uh, DVD and Blu ray. In the UK, because it's already out in America. That's correct, guy. Right. The Americans are a lot quicker than us. Yeah. Um, they are. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> um, so yeah. So this is it's coming out soon. It's been it's been a crazy ride. It's been really really fun. Um, it's been really different as well. Um, so I don't know what else to say about it. Is no. that way that, you know that way where you go. Have I told people about this? <laughs> <laughs> You've done that many Q and A's, and you go. See if I tell that story, is that same anecdote? Have I told you guys that same anecdote? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's as I say, it's coming to VOD and DVD. The the thing about uh, Anna and the Apocalypse is, is is it's a total discovery film. Like this has not got um, you know Tom Hardy in it. It's not got Emma Stone in it. It's you know it's 
uh, an independent film from Scotland that's you know been really really lucky enough to have been picked up by some amazing distributors and pushed and you know pulled by like some, some wonderful wonderful people. But what we need is people talking about it and telling people about it and being like, oh, this this wee Scottish film's coming out, you should check it out. So if you could do that, that that'd be cracking. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if you've uh, pick it up, get it, get it now, get it like fucking pre ordered, whatever you need to do. Um, yeah. Uh, John, thank you again for coming back. God, uh, thank you. And, <laughs> uh, and doing this. This has been an absolute treat. Yeah. I think uh, I think everybody can agree uh, that uh, this has been amazing. Uh, yeah. Thank you, John. No, thank you, guys. Just till the right. So we're done, aren't we? Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. I, I don't want to make a liar of myself in front of people here, Mitch. So um, I think it's only fair that we play Mitch's pitchings. Okay. Um, Should I, will I do it now? Um, before we start, I just want, for anyone who listens, you'll know, um, Tony Constantino, the uh, progenitor of Ron Mintz is here. Not just Ron Mintz, uh, just, uh, just, just all of the Ritz characters. Uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the Ritz world building that you've, uh, that you've yeah. put together. Yeah. Uh, in, this has been, uh, Ron Mintz has taken off in a way. I, I think there might be some Ron Mintz's in the house, actually. Yeah. Do we have Ron Mintz in the house? Yeah. Give, give me Ron Mintz. <laughs> Twice. Turnover Ron Mintz. This is, this is amazing that this even like, happened. Like, this is an unbelievable that, this thing. This exists as something that is absolutely mind-boggling. Um, <laughs> give me one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that one. Okay. Uh, but Tony created a character that now exists in doll form. Yeah. Right here. As staggering. Um, um, the attention to detail here is remarkable. Um, you got some exposed brain here. Um, yeah. You got a microwave mallet hand. Microwave mallet hand, yeah. Um, uh, a rustler steak sandwich that is literally fused to his face. Uh, a cow leg? A cow leg. I, like, I really like the cow leg. Even cow down leg to a removable apron. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you fancy other, other outfits for your, for your mints. Because uh, it's moved on quite a bit. There's some kind of ghostly characters now and uh, all yeah. manner of stuff. Uh, yeah, Reginald Crisp. Yeah. Um, I'll let everyone have a sniff of them later. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was Kim. Uh, Kim, thank you. <laughs> That's an absolutely bonkers thing to waste your time on. Uh, but yeah, Mitch, over to you. So, I'm fed up with saying it. Does anybody else want to say what Mitch's Pitches is? No. Okay, fine. Uh, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy's going to send me an image to my phone. He'll, uh, it's, it'll be a poster from an old horror film. He will have photoshopped out titles, taglines, the works. And just leave the image. I will have to describe it to the best of my ability. You will also see it. And I'll have to give it a title and a synopsis. And it's at this point, Mitch, I would ask you not to, not to turn around. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to do this now um, while, while, we're, while we're talking. Uh, the audience can see the image now. Um, okay. Right. Okay, it's on its way. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to sit down. I've been standing for ages. 
By the way, I'm sitting next to Sheila Bain, Mitch's mum. Yeah, also here. <laughs> who is who is also something a of a legend when it comes to Mitch's pitches. Uh, it must mm. be a Bain family trait. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ, okay. It's okay, man, on you go. Okay, so uh, it's a black background, red circle, may or may not be... Japan. I mean, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, I'd say we're in an indeterminate location here, but it might be Japan. It's not Japan. Uh, quite a lot going on in this image. I think it's fair to say that it is quite busy. In the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, what is going on down here? You tell us. Um, so I can see what looks like a kind of a shed and a couple of people in fairly vivacious headgear are, um, and I think dungarees, certainly uh, the gentleman on the left, and yeah, they are um, kind of both attending to someone who I think it is fair to say is in a state of some distress. <laughs> uh, the two, the, on the far left of the image we have, um, Jesus Christ, who are you? It's not. Yeah, this, uh, so, yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, um, a woman who I think is fair to say is having a time. As uh, what appears to be a, a chain around her neck and uh, something in her hair. Anyone want to speculate? Anybody? It's not come. No matter what was Mitch, shouted behind me, Mitch, it's my not fucking cum. bar is here. Um, um, in the bottom left-hand corner uh, of the image, we have two people exhuming uh, a corpse by the looks of it, or just digging a grave. I, I mean, like, it's, I, I can't tell if I can't tell if they're digging it up or just digging it. But I'm gonna go with it, digging it, digging it in. Um, and in the center point of the image, we have a woman who once again is in a state of some distress, who looks like she's about to have a four-pronged pitchfork driven into her by a crazed farmer in what appears to be a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I will definitely need a minute. Okay. I don't you're taking this seriously, Mitch. <laughs> Michael, can I have a wee bit more time? <laughs> Thanks. Hey, okay. That's how we do that then, is it? <laughs> Worth noting. Terrifying. Dare I ask how you're getting on there? I think I'm just about there. Um, you're not getting it again. No, don't, don't, not. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Wow, here we go. Watch him work. Like, watch this. I need to watch this. Okay. When a murder investigation necessitates the exhuming of the corpse of a farmer, Right. Remains are disrupted and a horde of demonic ghost farmers are summoned. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> With the town plunge into chaos. 
getting good-natured farmhands chat. <laughs> Always chat. Save the day before it's too late. Right, okay. Find out in 1984's Return to Hell Farm. Sure, right, okay. okay. Yeah, Return to Hell Farm. <laughs> Tony, my question to you is, how does Ron Minster go in this? I don't know, he'll come back or something, probably. <laughs> That's good. Sheila, anything to add? <laughs> no. I'm not uh, going to lie, Tony, it's less funny in person. <laughs> Guys, uh, you have been brilliant. Wait, hang on. What? You don't want to know what it is? Oh, fuck, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. What it's it? on the screen now. It's Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Return to hell. They planted the living and harvested, harvested the, the dead. Golly, what year? 72. Nice. Synopsis? that. <laughs> it's in the title. I suppose. Blood Farmers, come to town. That was a dreadful yeah, life, yeah. it just misses. <laughs> Guys, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you so, so much for coming along with us and doing this with us. This has been amazing. Just... Uh, thank you, John. Um, go get Anna the Apocalypse. Yeah. 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 And thank you to Sleepaway Camp and thank you to Michael Park over there. Didn't get anything. Bashing through those slides. Yeah. Guys, enjoy the rest of your night. If you're going to Lords of Chaos, have a great one. There's an after party, I believe, in Sleazy's. We will be there, right? I'm definitely going to be there. I'll be at Lords, I'll be at Lords of Chaos. Yeah. Uh, guys, you've been amazing. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Also, if you ask the question, come and get your stuff. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.